this morning as we continue on in our series in Colossians, you can turn to Colossians 4, and it is my privilege to let you know that we are saying goodbye to the church at Colossae. Finally, we started in September. There's only four chapters, and yet here we are, first week of May. Let me go ahead and pray over our time in the Word this morning that He would guide and help and instruct through the power of His Holy Spirit. Let's pray over the Word this morning. Lord, thank You for our time before the table of communion. Father, we praise You again for our salvation, for the faith granted and the grace granted to us. Let us grow in our encouragement with one another because of the work of Christ through us. Open our ears, open our eyes and our hearts this morning as we move into Your Word. Lift us. Encourage us. Speak to each one beyond what I know to say. Empower us, Lord, that we might be able to exalt You and that You in turn would lift us up. To You be the glory, Father. Amen. Well, today we are all about alliteration. How many of you are really into English and grammar and all that stuff? You're going to love today. Uh, It is filled with alliteration, and you'll see why. It's not necessarily because I love, but I do kind of like alliteration. Uh, But it's going to get painstakingly difficult. You're going to get so exhausted with alliteration. Uh, but, But, you know, feel free to send in your hate mail throughout the week. So today's sermon is titled, The Strategic Church, Paul's Priory Perfected. What do I mean by that? Let me just give you a real quick understanding. Some of you are going to have to go look up Priory. I know that one person already did this week, and they're like, what is a Priory? Jeremy, did you get that wrong? No, it makes sense. Paul was in prison when he wrote this, and he's in a a house uh, prison situation. He's with part of his team. And it's their place of rest. It's their place of respite. And yet the church is often seen the same way. That the church is a gathering, a community of believers. And today I want to encourage you out of the salutation. It's the part of a Pauline epistle that you just stop reading in your devotions. You get to this section you're just like, oh, he's just saying hi to a bunch of people or bye to a bunch of people that we don't know who they are. We're going to unlock this. We're going to unpack this and see how instrumental it is this morning. So there's four steps to achievement, says William Arthur Ward. Number one, plan purposefully. Two, prepare prayerfully. Three, proceed positively. And four, pursue persistently. This is why we're doing alliteration today. Is uh, Mr. William Arthur Ward had some nuggets of wisdom in this. Today we're talking about the strategy of a church. How many of you ever gone to one of those conferences, you know, on how to be a better salesman or, you know, how to be a better executive or any of the, there's lots of lights and there's like big loud, well, we've already had all that. So you're ready to go. Here we are. This is your big seminar on strategy within the church. Aren't you excited? Don't you feel inspired? Aren't you saying, how is this really going to affect my personal life? I've been asking myself that all week as I have to preach this message. But you know, strategy does matter. Strategy does matter. I'm going to even prove the point. When we fail to plan, we what? We plan to fail. 
Now, those of us in the room that are probably type A personalities, we knew that message. For those of us that are highly flexible, A to Z conceptual thinkers, we can't even unpack that concept. That, that's not on our radar whatsoever. But I'm going to have a little fun today with a demonstration that nobody's going to get, which is most of my illustrations. So I think I'm going to ask my lovely assistant, Vanna, to please bring me that white-capped bottle there. And uh, Michael, will you please bring me um, a pen from the back counter that I laid there earlier? And as uh, you're, yes, you can bring that on up, sir. Thank you, Mike. And as we get ready to do this, we're going to hit the passage this morning. So my question to you is, why is strategy like glue? Why is strategy like glue? If we're talking about the strategic church this morning, why is strategy like glue? There's your takeaway today. And now you're, you're with me now, right? You're saying, I have no idea how this is going to personally inspire me. I don't either. So give me the, the love mail later this week and tell me how it did. So let's move through this. Here's the passage this morning. And I will guarantee you that I'm pronouncing these names right. I have a little program on my computer that it pronounces them for me. And uh, hopefully I remember what they say. So, Colossians 4, 7 through 18. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers of the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hariopolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. We used to joke around in our Bible classes that you would get an A if you could go through a series like this and pronounce everything perfectly. So let's start with what we're looking at. Paul is in Rome, he's in prison, and he's writing to a church that he never established. He's never met these people. He's only heard about them through, we assume, Epaphras. Epaphras is visiting Paul while in Rome. While he's in prison, it's not necessarily he's behind bars, but he's under house arrest, our understanding is, at this time. And so he has allowed visitors to come in, come out, and minister to him, and him to send message to others. Did you hear that? And so the picture here is one of perfect strategy. Let me help you understand. He first mentions Tychicus, right? 
So Tychicus is your chief logistical engineer over communications. He is your email master. Except he didn't get to hit send. He had to walk it. It was the original snail mail, right? He had to get on a boat and he had to, you know, go across ocean waters to carry these messages. And so Paul sent, so Paul can't get his message to where it needs to get to without someone like Tychicus. The strategy breaks down unless he has Tychicus. I know you all want to say the word, don't you? It's just so much fun. And what does Paul say about him? He says he's a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow what? Servant of the Lord. Let's move on. He says, I've sent him to you for this very purpose. What purpose is that? That you may know how we are, (coughs) excuse me, and that he may encourage your hearts. We start to see the ministry of Tychicus unfold. We start to see the strategy of the early church, according to Paul, unfold. Where Paul could not do certain things for the church, somebody else steps up and stands in the gap. Who else does he mention? And with him, Onesimus. Y'all remember Onesimus, right? Yeah. Just a real extensive, brutal reading. Long, like this is like, go on vacation and read this book out of the Bible. It's called Philemon. It's one page. And the story of Onesimus is he's a slave that left this region to be with the church. He got so caught up so enamored with what was happening and the change in his life. And Paul had to work on his behalf to Philemon. That's the story of Philemon, the book of Philemon. He had to work on his behalf so that there wouldn't be serious punishment on Onesimus. Here we find him in ministry. A slave. In ministry. He's he's described as a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. Aristarchus is a fellow prisoner of Paul's. Now this is different, right? Tychicus and Onesimus, they're free to go in and out and move back and forth. Not Aristarchus. Not Mark. Right? I'm sorry. Yeah, not Mark. And, and not um, Jesus, who is called Justice. By the way, Jesus was a very common name in, in Palestine at that time. All right? And he's also called Justice. Right? What does it say about those individuals? Paul says what? These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. They're part of his preaching team. That's why they're in prison. They had a specific role. And what is he saying in effect is that they're the only ones from the circumcision party. See, politics even played back then, right? I I don't know how that would go over today. We have the Republican Party, the Democrat. I don't know anybody's voting the circumcision party, right? All, all Paul's saying is that these guys are Jews. They're Jewish. And while I'm preaching to the Gentiles, these guys are here partnering with me in ministry to preach to the Jews. And oh, by the way, we're all in jail. We're all in jail. Do you see the different roles that are starting to shape up here? And how God used strategy within the church and then he talks about a church that's in the, the area of Laodicea. He talks about Nympha, who's, who's hosting a church in her house. There's your, your graciousness and your hospitality, your leadership. And we'll get into more and more of this. And then we see Archippus. Of all the people listed here, you probably don't want to be the Archippus of Concord Bible Church. This is the guy that needs the motivation. This is the guy 
that needs a, a little swift kick. And how would you like this read in a letter into the entire church? Right? We, we don't dare do that today. And, and I won't. I won't call out anybody in the entire room. Not even Bruce Benson. I won't. I'm not going to do it. Right? Because that would be stepping over line. Not only did the church at Colossae hear Paul say, um, <laughs> Archippus, you need to step up your game, buddy. But the entire church, since this was written, has known this about Archippus. And that's the only thing we know about him. There's one in every church. There's probably more than one in every church. So this morning, as we talk about the strategic church, I'm going to write something on my little billboard here. All right? I'm going to write the word church. Here we go. C H. U R silent P C H. Okay, now what I want to do is who doesn't love glitter? Love glitter. It's awesome. So glitter is going to represent our giftedness, right? Because what we do in the church, our giftedness, it's just beautiful. It's shiny. It, it's so beneficial. It draws us in, right? So the only thing I could think of was glitter. So I'm going to... I love glitter. I don't get to use this stuff enough. It makes me want to go join children's ministries. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Yes. It's all coming back to me now. Kindergarten. Age 30. My ordination council. Okay. Here we go. How'd that come out? What happened? It's on my tummy? My wife just said it's on my tummy. No, let's just not go there. Something, something here did not stick. We got a problem, Houston. Well, let's look at what we could do here. Networking is a necessity of nascent neophytes. What? Well, let's break that down for you this morning. The church connects. That's it. Here we go. Write in your stuff on your, uh, your sermon notes. So what we see here is Paul's talking about service. Pastor, where did you get that? Well, look at Tychicus, right? Tychicus and Onesimus. They are listed as servants. Paul needs that on his team. You have to have servants, service and servants as part of your strategy for the church to be the church. Secondly, missions. What? That one's easy, Pastor. I get it. Paul. Paul was part of that. We connect through missions. That's part of our strategy as a church. It's the strategy that Christ set up. Well, here's what's interesting. It's not just Paul who is fulfilling the idea of missions. It's Aristarchus, it's Mark, and it's Jesus who's named Justice. All three guys who are in prison for what? For taking the gospel, for taking the word of God, and taking it to those who are lost. At what cost? At great cost. At the cost of imprisonment and eventually their lives. What's next as far as strategy? Message. That the church is given a message. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which goes something like this. Actually, it goes very much like this. That we are lost because of sin. We are separated from God because of sin. God made a way, not us. God made the way, not us. Amen? 
And that way was through his son, Jesus Christ, who took on human form, came to the earth, and was crucified to pay the penalty for that sin, which we could not pay. This is our message. This is our strategy. And so Christ on the third day arose, verifying and giving victory over death and over sin, only one to ever do it. And as he ascended, he told his strategy to the church. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other ends of the earth. And what happened with those disciples? They went as far as India, all the way down to maybe Ethiopia. Some even think that maybe one of the disciples made it all the way to England. They had a message. And that's what we see here. We see three men that are dedicated to the message. And because of that, because of their role, they're in prison We see leadership. We connect through leadership. This is part of the church strategy. We have to have leadership. Just like in any organization, the organization thrives or it dies based off the quality of leadership. Lastly, provision. We see that Paul had provision through Luke. Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts. Luke is the one who wrote the book of Luke. And he's a doctor. And many know that Paul at this point in time was not in good health. Part of the reason that Luke was sent. Now Luke can move, can go back and forth as he pleases. He's not in prison. But he is there with Paul. And it is suspected that he's there because he's fulfilling his role as a doctor to help serve Paul. Here's a little interesting side note. I'm going to mention it even now in God's design and and making that Christian community seem a lot tighter than you could possibly imagine. Think about all the books in the New Testament Paul has written. Now add in Luke, who's there with Paul. There's two more books of the New Testament. Now add in Mark, who's there with the group. Who a decade later writes what book? The book of Mark. Isn't it fascinating how God connected these guys in a strategic way so that we have our Scripture God works through strategy. God works through strategy. Let's look at the second point today. Constant communication keeps the community connected. What's that mean? It just means that the church speaks. That's it. Okay, so this is fun. I've been waiting for this for four days since I wrote this out. I am watching you type A people right now. And you are showing it on your face. You can't stand the way I spelled connected. <laughs> message of encouragement. We talk about a message if, if the idea is that the church speaks. This is part of our strategy. Where are you getting this from, Pastor Jeremy? Well, we see it. We see a message of encouragement, right? Tychicus and Onesimus, what were they doing? They were giving a message of encouragement to Paul. Do you know that the messages and the ways that you communicate to me and to the staff and to other leaders in the church, it encourages them. It's so desperately important. Next, message of equipping. Because we stick, or we stick because of preparation. We stick because of preparation. Message of organization. We stick because of good planning. Now I have a little side question for you. When you hire a pastor, do you want him to be an administrator, or do you want him to be a preacher? Both. 
Whoever said both needs to do a study on if you can package both of those things into one person. Um, You can to some degree, but this is where, see, what Paul is doing is he's gathering around people that are able to help him in areas he can't accomplish. That's the strategy of the church. Is that we might fulfill the roles that are needful so that the message of the gospel goes out. And it's not just laid upon Michael Camilleri to do everything. Right? We have three drummers. We're a church of 150 adults and we have three excellent drummers. That's like God's providence. That never happens. Phenomenal. So this morning, it's a message of organization. We stick because of good planning. Thirdly, it's a message of inspiration. We stick because of something greater. We stick of something greater, like Paul and Epaphras. What does, what does Paul say about Epaphras? Well, Epaphras set up the church at Laodicea, some believe. He also set up the church at Colossae, and he has this incredible ministry in that entire area, that entire area of, of Asia Minor. One guy! And he holds the ear of the churches. Why? Because he's such an encouragement. Because of his message. And it helps those churches stick. We need Epaphrasis in the church that we might accomplish the strategy of the gospel. It's a message of inspiration this morning. Next. Diverse... I can't even say this right. Diversity defines destiny. Here we go. The church develops. The church develops different gifts... We develop different gifts. Why does that happen? Well, we stick because we develop various opportunities. What do I mean by that? Well, who here is gifted in administration? Raise your hand. (laughs) You're not going to raise your hand. Not on this message, are you? Like, I see your wily ways, Pastor Jeremy. Who here is gifted in the ability to encourage? Who here is gifted in the ability to equip? Who here is gifted? And so the church, we stick because we develop various opportunities for you to use your giftedness. Do you see that in all these people that Paul is listing? Nympha. I mean, we don't have any pictures. She doesn't make it in the children's curriculum. You know, she hasn't been in any of the new Jesus movies yet. But here's a gal that dedicated her house, possibly at great cost, because she has a gift of what? Generosity, hospitality, right? Different roles. Well, what's that, pastor? Different roles versus different gifts. Well, we stick because we develop various positions. And I'll get to that in just a second. The church is committed to developing for the sake of the strategy of the gospel. Different backgrounds, we stick because we foster diversity. One of the things that I cherish so deeply is the diversity that we have within this collective that we call Concord Bible Church. Many of you were here on a particular Sunday a few months ago, I think it was, where we had uh, David up here um, praying. We had uh, uh, Fernando praying, or Anna praying, and we had... um, Who else? We had uh, Beverly praying. We had eight different languages that we prayed the same prayer in. There has to be a diversity because the gospel will stop where there is exclusivity. I can't even say that word. Where there is exclusiveness, that's where the gospel will stop. 
in order to be strategic with the gospel, we have to be inclusionary. That this goes to all people. And you see Jews and Gentiles and people from different regions and places. We see slaves, we see doctors, we see former Pharisees, and they're all part of this motley crew of evangelists that make up the church. Sounds like Concord Bible Church to me in a lot of ways. So here's the passage I want you to hear and, and understand, and I'm going to elaborate on it a little bit. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, it says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. There's your roles. And Paul ascribes to those roles when he's giving these final instructions to the church at Colossae. But let me continue to read this for you. He says, building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That is a strategic plan for an organization. You know the purpose, you know the vision, you know the roles, you know the result. The church has to be strategic. So how do we do that? Well, let me end with this statement. Every calling is great when greatly pursued. We know that you cannot coerce people into ministry. You cannot coerce people into gospel, into faith. We know that you can't... We know that you should test your glue. You have got to be kidding me here. Okay, maybe I'm just getting so old I can't squeeze a bottle of glue. Okay, watch out in the front row, because this... What is wrong? Okay, look. I wasn't born yesterday. No. Okay, so this is going to be interesting. We know, let me get back to my point, that the strategy of the church, this is, gonna, this is not going to work. That the strategy of the church, oh my goodness, this is going to say Satan when I get done, I think. <laughs> That the strategy of the... Oh, gosh. This is going to be what not to do during your sermon. Okay? This is going on the internet. Oh, my goodness. What to do... Come on. Focus, Chair. What not to do... This is horrible. Look, we know as pastors and church leadership that the worst thing we can do is push you into your role, into your gift. But my friends, the church has lost track of the fact that there's a strategy that Christ set forth. We don't like to talk about the church as an institution, and you know I hate that part, because once, once it becomes institutionalized, it loses its freshness. But you know, there is an essence to where we have to be organized. And in order to see the church come to life, 
and be what it needs to be, there has to be glue. And what did Paul say at the end of Ephesians 4? What was it? The very last word I think it was. It was love. That all of this is bound together by love. And when we see that through the Holy Spirit, you saw what happened when I just tried to throw giftedness all over this. We didn't have a church. But when we have glue, I'm going to do this real quick because this is new carpet. We'll be auctioning this off later on for Lifetime Summer Day Camp. They call that art some places. Why did it work the second time? By the way, if any of you have the gift of cleaning, (laughs) you can exercise that right afterwards. Why is it that it stuck the second time? Because there was glue. You know the answer. Why is it that the strategy of the the church fails so much of the time? There's no glue. There's nothing drawing us together. It just becomes a task. It becomes a work. We talked about Ephesians 2, 8-10 through this morning already. That our process and finding our role within the church and being part of the strategy of the church and coming together as that team that is highly effective for the cause of Christ, that we grow in effectual love for Him and that we grow in the effectual love for one another, there has to be glue. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to give you one hint to how you get that glue so that things stick. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the glue of our faith then there is no need for leadership to hardcore recruit for this or that. There's no need for people to feel guilty about this or that. There's no need to be overworked or overtaxed. Guess what happens when the Holy Spirit is the glue of the church? It sticks and we become a church. We become a church. And we start pulling together. And you saw what Paul's team was able to accomplish. There's so many more that didn't make the list. But you see the diversity. Every calling is great when greatly pursued. Let me close in prayer this morning. And today as I close, there are many of you that want to remind me that that was a 27-minute sermon. We do not exercise the gift of criticism here. That is not part of glue. Keep it to yourself. But miracles did happen today. Through glitter and glue, and the gospel. Amen? Amen. This morning, if you've brought your gift of worship, uh, we do have the offering box in the back as you exit. Uh, I'm going to pray over that now. And we are just so thankful for the community of believers here. Look and see, pray through, what is your giftedness? And then ask for the glue of the Holy Spirit to pull you in so that it sticks, so that the strategy of the church is highly functioning and highly blessed. Let me close in prayer. Father, You have given us all good things. You have instituted the church. We are organic. We are not concrete. 
we are an extension of Your grace. We are called the Bride of Christ. And Father, we're all stumbling around trying to figure out this thing. And that's the beauty that You give us strategy. You give us roles. You give us uh, giftedness. You give us vision and and mission. You've given all of that to us. And we see the beautiful demonstration of that through the early church leaders in the early church. Help us, Father, to understand and to lead out. Thank You for a church that does this. Bless them, Father. Bless them for the glue of the love that they have for one another and the service that they are committed to here at Concord Bible Church. It is my privilege and I'm humbled to be part of this community. They are servants. We are servants. Continue to glue us together through the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray over the gifts that are brought today. Bless the giver. Let there be great joy in their offering to You as they have prayerfully contemplated how they should worship You through giving. Use it for Your glory today, Lord. To You be the glory forever and ever. Amen.